Hey, are you into werewolves, mad scientists, and a little bit of witchcraft? Then stay tuned for an all-new episode of Watch Corner. We're riding this train straight into the sun. Woo! Tune in to a classic episode of Watts Corner on the Seltzer Kings Network. Available on all podcast platforms. Well, I don't know what the guy does that he's an ambassador. I'm just saying he's got a really beautiful voice and should be on the radio. He should, like, totally co-host the show or something. Oh, Jesus, Gavin, stop crying. Ass. The following podcast contains... Sacred Island, watch the language. Hey, pal, watch the gutter language. Okay, let's try to watch the language. There's children present now. Now will you watch your ruddy language? My ears are not a toilet. Explicit language. Hello and welcome to the podcast that asks a simple question. When you sold your childhood movie rights to the Disney Corporation for free streaming access, what the hell were you thinking? I'm your host, Dave Bledsoe, and this is a Friday, November 15th, 2019, with his hand in Goofy's pants edition of the show, where I attack yet another beloved cultural icon because I'm a sick and perverted person. Stay tuned. The What the Hell Were You Thinking podcast is brought to you by the Mouse Della Effect, who wants you to know your memory is lying to you. Do you have a clear recollection of certain movies released by a large animation studio some time ago that was filled with racist caricatures and overt references to slavery being fun and cool? Of course you don't. That is your lying imagination playing tricks on you. There was never a movie like that, nor were there any kind of minstrel show crows literally named Jim in that one movie with the elephant. It was all in your mind because if there were movies like that, you could see them in our catalog of streaming movies or even in our DVD releases. You don't, so there isn't. The Mouse Della Effect, making you believe what we want you to believe for three decades or more. What else is troubling me? Mickey Mouse's birthday being announced on the television news as if it's an actual event. I don't give a shit. If I cared about Mickey Mouse's birthday, I'd have memorized it years ago. And I'd send him a card. Dear Mickey, happy birthday. Love, George. I don't do that. Why? Don't give a shit. Fuck Mickey Mouse. Fuck him in the asshole with a big rubber dick. Then break it off and beat him with the rest of it. I hope Mickey dies. I do. I hope he goddamn dies. I hope he gets a hold of some tainted cheese and dies lonely and forgotten behind the baseboard of a soiled bathroom in a poor neighborhood with his hand in Goofy's pants. Mickey Mouse, no wonder no one in the world takes our country seriously. We waste valuable television time informing our citizens of the age of an imaginary rodent. One of my parents' more brilliant, devious parenting strategies was to raise my sister and I to be anti-Disney. Because when it came to anything related to Walt Disney's, they were very, very clear. Uh Uh-uh. Not in this house. No Apple Dumpling Gang, no Jungle Book, no Wonderful World of Disney. And God help us if we were caught singing. Around my mom, because she had a visceral reaction to those lyrics that frankly left my sister and I a little scarred to the point where, to the point my sister passed on the Disney hatred to her three kids. 
It wasn't that my parents had religious or ethical qualms about the content or even disliked the saccharine nature of Disney fair. No, their banishment of the mouse from our house was based entirely on never wanting to take us kids to fucking Disney World. It's a gargantuan hellhole. They figured out early on if their kids were taught to loathe and despise Disney, they would never want Disney World. And raising kids in the South meant that you were legally obligated to drag them to Orlando at least once in their young lives. It's in the Constitution. Unless you could find some way to make your kids not want to go to Disney World. And that was a total win for them, because I mean this sincerely, Disney World is the 13th level of hell. So, by a careful campaign of limiting our Disney consumption, diligently stressing the superiority of Warner Brothers and Hanna-Barbera cartoons, and ruthlessly suppressing anyone who mentioned taking the kids to Disney World, they managed to construct a world where their two children did not like Disney and would never dream of ever wanting to go to the Magic Kingdom. You magnificent bastard, I read your book! And I've carried this antipathy towards Disney to this very day. If anything, it's grown in direct proportion to the rise of Disney as the dominant producer of pop culture in the 21st century. And I'm pretty fucking pissed about it. Disney now owns literally everything worth having. And it's only a matter of time before they acquire my childhood memories and sell them back to me. I want to provide it for them and I want to do it at a reasonable fee, of course. The reason I'm fuming about this tonight is Disney finally launched their Netflix killer this week, the Disney Plus streaming service. Oh, Jesus, another one. And with this, Disney joins the ranks of not only Netflix and Hulu, but HBO, CBS, NBC, Apple, Amazon, and even BET. Is that still a thing? Apparently it is, and now they have a streaming service. We've arrived at the point where it is where the content we actually want to see, we now have to pay more for than when we still had fucking cable. And a lot of that content easy isn't even on cable, so we can't even go back. This is how we want to do this, because if it is, I've got some bad news for the networks and all, and Apple and Amazon. The model has been tried before, and we already have a solution for the problem. Yo ho, yo ho, a pirate's life for me. We plunder, we rifle and loot, drink up, me hearties, yo-ho. We kidnap and ravage and don't give a hoot, drink up, me hearties, yo-ho. And that's the song that I used to bring us back to Disney. And also, how fucking weird is that that they use that song as a kid's ride at fucking Disney World? They are literally singing about rape and pillage. You know, school, slang, kid stuff. Well, that's Disney for you. You don't have to scrape many layers off to find something truly disturbing in their history. But do you know the real story behind the House of Mouse? Or do you only think you know? Stop that, stop that. You're not going into a song while I'm here. Are you crazy? You can get sued. Okay, we can't even begin to discuss Disney now without talking about Disney then and the man who created it all. You told me to go back to the beginning. So I have. Walter Elias Disney, the fourth child of Elias and Flora Disney, was born September 5th, 1901 in Chicago and moved when he was very young to Marceline, Illinois, a small town that would later serve as Walt's inspiration for the generic little white people fairy tale that is Main Street, USA. This is sundown town. 
Though the family would frequently move as Elias looked for the next big thing, and Elias was, according to biographers, quote, a stern man who could have a strong temper at times and would take the money his son had earned for safekeeping, considering them too young to know the value of money. And if his children misbehaved, Disney would not hesitate to punish them with a switch. Abused by his father. Walt had a real talent for drawing and took instruction intermittently through his youth and his family as his family moved about until he met Ub Iwerks in the 1919 and the two started a business together in 1922. In 1923, Iwerks and Walt and his brother Roy Disney moved to Hollywood and started a cartoon studio. They had some success before talkies became a thing, but in 1928, they created a character called Steamboat Willie the very first Mickey Mouse cartoon, and it became a sensation. Thus began what would become Disney Animation Studios. It wasn't an instant success, nor was it easy. It took years of hard work, Disney uh, discipline, and a ruthless ambition. In Neil Gabler's Walt Disney, The Triumph of American Imagination, a 600-page doorstop of a book written with the permission of the Disney family, it says, quote, uh, who provided access to the Walt's papers, Walt is described as, quote, a troubled man a lonely and reclusive depressive. He also notoriously ill-treated his staff and close friends and was a ferociously right-wing anti-communist through the 40s and 50s. And emotionally driven son of a cold father who sought to create a fantasy world for himself in which he could feel loved and safe, unquote. Poor Walter. Continuing, quote, he details at times a tragic life. Disney's father ended up resenting his son and their relationship fell apart. When his father died and missed his, he, Disney missed his funeral. Disney was also cruel and controlling to employees, terrorizing the humiliating dress down, dressing downs. It included even his brother Roy, who kept the company afloat with a financial acumen. Yet, that did not stop Disney from ridiculing Roy in public. When his cartoonist tried to form a union... He brought in armed guards. He fired organizers and cut wages. At one point, faced with a strike picket, Disney had to be physically restrained from attacking the leader of the industrial action. He wasn't, in fact, married to a studio, ignoring his long-suffering wife. He would retreat into his mansion and play with a huge toy train set with a track that ran an astonishing half a mile in length, including a 90-foot-long tunnel. He also associated with a group of anti-Semitic members of the Motion Picture Alliance and frowned on the idea of hiring black people to work in Disneyland. He's kind of a dickhead, if you know what I mean. I guess Walt Disney was actually no worse than any number of Hollywood executives of his time. He was probably better than some. I mean, I couldn't find stories of his banging actresses on the casting couch. But when you think about that would be pretty sick and twisted since they were cartoon animals. Isn't that horribly illegal? Yes, and more than a little deviant. The only reason I bring it up is the image of Walt Disney as a wholesome American swell guy and the, with a Rogerian reputation in public, for public niceness was he was actually a total fucker behind closed doors. Leave my heroes out of this. I barely even reference Mr. Rogers. But Disney was definitely the kind of prick that would stab you in the back if he thought you'd betrayed him. From an article by Jim Corcus in 2003, a quote, the Disney Studio in 1941, Walt took out an ad in Variety, the industry trade paper, on July 2nd, 1941, to proclaim, I am positively convinced that communistic agitation, leadership, and activities have brought about this strike. Animator Ward Kimball, who didn't go out on strike but stayed inside the Disney Studio as a part of his management, told me that Walt calling strikers communist was typical Walt overkill. It was an easy way of discrediting somebody. Walt's reasoning was that anybody who was against what he had wanted to do had to be a communist because Walt was such a staunch American. Basically, Walt felt by betrayed by his 
boys and decided that the only reason for that betrayal must have been outside influence like communist instigators. Walt was also known to hold a grudge for a long time, and when the opportunity presented itself six years after the strike, Walt, who was still hurt by what he had gone through with the strike, lashed out at those who felt it had destroyed a golden age of Disney animation. Jesus, Walter. So... You've got a broken, bitter man celebrating elaborate fantasies to replace the emptiness of his dysfunctional childhood who harbors a martyr complex and cannot deal with anyone speaking against his worldview. And when they do, he uses his incredible wealth and power and influence to crush them. This is the guy whose company dominates American pop culture. Is that entirely ideal? A a profit-making weapon that makes a lot of money. And Walt Disney, the corporation, has a long and colorful history of irritating the fuck out of people for reasons both legitimate and banal. On the one hand, they have, to their credit, pissed off the godbotherers for years with their policies of treating gay people like they are human beings. How dare you, sir? And so the godbotherers think, inserting subliminal messages into their movies to lure children into sodomy and other really fun things. I mean, good grief the who framed roger rabbit fracas was ridiculous bad rabbit as jessica rabbit says i'm not bad i'm just drawn that way and in one case that's definitely true on the original laserdisc version when jessica and eddie are in a high-speed chase and thrown from the taxi there's a moment where her dress reveals a little more than you'd expect in a kid's movie but of course nothing about jessica rabbit is exactly family friendly I mean, they were looking for smut in the still frames when the entire fucking movie is filled with smut. Look, I examined those frames multiple times. Freeze frames, zooms, image enhancements once I got computers, and once with a jeweler's loop on the no- on the nose of the sc- with my nose on the screen of the Laserdisc version where you're purported to see her bajingo and I didn't see nothing. No bush, no lips, nothing. Nothing at all. You need help. Oh, shut up. If you haven't rubbed one out, man or woman, to Jessica Rabbit, you're dead from the waist down. And look, they straight up stole the Lion King from a Japanese anime artist. Say what now? Yeah. Your beloved Lion King is a direct ripoff of Osamu Tezuka's Jungle Emperor. The series ran in Los Angeles, dubbed in English in the 60s, and was syndicated nationwide in the 70s as Kimba the White Lion. From Wikipedia, quote, as a number of media journalists and fans watched The Lion King after its initial release in 1994, they noticed characters and events in the story with strong artistic similarities, and The Lion King contains numerous sequences that closely match with Kimba's. Other similarities are thematically deeper and more pronounced, such as both feature the theme of the circle of life, alleged similarities in the characters beginning with the protagonist lion cubs Kimba and Simba include the evil lions, the one-eyed claw, and Scar, and the sage baboons, Dance Baboon and Rafiki, the animated birds Polly, Cracker, and Zazu, and the pair of hyena sidekicks. But it was a trio in the Disney film, unquote. Now, Disney, of course, denied the whole thing, citing that so many stories featured regicide by an uncle. I mean, Hamlet, right? And it was, quote, not unusual to have characters like a baboon, a bird, or hyenas in films set in Africa, unquote. And in 2014, Disney jacked the short short film Snowman for at least the teaser trailer to Frozen. In fact, many of the employees of Pixar who worked on Frozen were at at Snowman's debut at the San Francisco Film Festival. And after a judge ruled that Disney had, in fact... Yeah, he stole all his shit, man. Disney settled the case for an undisclosed amount. 
And let's not even get into Disney and Miramax. You know, where Miramax would buy the rights to foreign films and then Harvey Weinstein would re-edit the films despite having an ironclad legal agreement saying that he couldn't do exactly that. But when you got Disney money behind you, legal agreements don't mean much. Unless, of course, you're a woman who was raped by Harvey Weinstein and forced to sign a non-disclosure agreement to not talk about it. Then Disney money came in real fucking handy to pay the lawyers. I can't believe you just went there. Oh, I went there. I went there. But for my money, the most egregious offense against society, aside from the existence of Donald Duck, that pantsless freak, is how Disney has single-handedly goat-fucked the entire United States copyright system. Sounds boring. Oh, you'd like to think so, but listen for a minute. You come to the early 90s. Disney's have got themselves a little problem. You see, the law at the time was that the creator's life plus 50 years, which allowed the creators and their heirs to benefit from their work. Okay, that sounds fair. And then in 1976, Congress extended that law to 75 years, but only for corporations, so fuck you and your novel, right? But even with all that chicanery, old Walt's creation, Mickey Mouse, was rapidly running out of time and would soon enter the public domain, meaning Disney could no longer profit on Mickey Mouse, and Mickey makes an awful lot of money for Disney. So in 1998... They spent millions lobbying Congress to give them another extension. They said it was all about future creators and corporations and being able to hold on to their intellectual property to finance future creations. But in a 2013 Washington Post article said, quote, Critics pointed out that extending copyright terms retroactively wouldn't benefit the public. After all, William Faulkner, George Gershwin, and Walt Disney had died decades earlier. Granting longer copyright terms for their existing works couldn't cause them to produce any more masterpieces, unquote. To suggest the monopoly use of copyrights for the creator's life plus 50 years after his death is not an adequate incentive to create is absurd, wrote Senator Hank Brown of Colorado, a Republican at the time, by the way. He didn't last much longer. In 1996, a report for the Senate Judiciary Committee. The real incentive here is for corporate owners that bought copyrights to lobby Congress for another 20 years of revenue. Not for the creators who will be long dead once this term extension takes hold, unquote. Naturally, the corporations got their law passed and got their 20 years. But you know what happens in 2028? Mickey Mouse turns 100 years old and ostensibly will fall into the public domain. Do you think for one fucking second that Disney is not already massaging lawmakers to find a way to make that not happen? Why do you care? Because, and hear me out on this, as a creator, I I should be able to benefit from my work, yes, but after a reasonable time, my works should belong to everyone. I mean, assuming that everyone wanted a couple of hundred episodes of dick jokes and drunken ramblings. I can assure you they did not. All creative endeavors are built on what has come before. Every story in Hollywood was built on the shit that happened already. And what the shit that happened already started with Homer, to use the Western canon. Shakespeare lifted from Roman classics, who listed lifted from Homer's Odyssey and Iliad. Everyone is lifted from Shakespeare. Now, just imagine to yourself that Shakespeare and Co. LTD had retained perpetual copyright to Will's works. You don't think they would have sued the shit out of Disney by now and drove the country into, company into bankruptcy? I mean, even if you can't ignore the anime ripoff of Lion King, you can't ignore the Hamlet ripoff. That's why Disney is fucking evil, because they never let anything go that can make them a dime. And, 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 they own everything and they will never ever let it go since the 1990s disney has worked to acquire basically 
every piece of intellectual property created since the dawn of the 20th century. They flat out own my childhood. If I toss one off to Princess Leia in a gold bikini, apparently I owe Disney money now. And if they ever come for that money, I will need to declare bankruptcy. Choke that chicken. This is just a partial list because the actual list would take an hour to read of the intellectual property and or studios owned by Disney. Fox Family and Fox Animation, 20th Century Fox, Fox Searchlights Pictures, and Fox 2000 Pictures, Fox Television's Creative Units, 20th Century Fox Television, FX Productions, and Fox 21, FX Networks, National Geographic Partners, Disney owns partially or entirely these companies, ESPN, Touchstone Pictures, Marvel, Lucasfilm, A&E, The History Channel, Lifetime, Pixar, Hollywood Records and Vice Media, Star Wars, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, Disney Princesses, Pirates of the Caribbean, Pixar Films, Winnie the Pooh and Indiana Jones, The Simpsons, American Horror Story, American Idol, and The Family Guy, as well as movies like Home Alone, Avatar, Deadpool, Die Hard, Night at the Musician, Independence Day. It also owns such classic Fox films such as All About Eve, Cleopatra, MASH, Alien, and The Thin Red Line. The Muppets! The Disney owns the fucking Muppets! With all the exceptions, with only the exception of those Muppets now appearing on Sesame Street, which, by the way, are now owned by HBO. Disney owns all the fucking Muppets! Kermit, Miss Piggy, Fozzie, Animal, Dr. Bunsen, Honeydew, Dr. Teeth, Statler, and Waldorf, and every other Muppet in the universe is owned by Disney. Right now, beaming out in the universe some 30 light years from here, Muppets are just now reaching Zeta Hercules, and perhaps aliens are tuning in to the first time to hear the dulcet tones of... are now legally obligated to pay Disney for the privilege of meeting that god of porcelain space heroics, Captain Link Hogthrob. And this is why Disney has always been bad, for the simple reason they've never actually created anything fucking new, and when they do, it's either stolen or it's terrible. It's no accident that all the Disney classics are fairy tales because they were what? Oh, in the public fucking domain. When Disney tried to make movies that weren't already in the public domain, we got shit like the Apple Dumpling Gang or Escaped from Witch Mountain, which was just fucking stolen from a goddamn Hardy Boys or fucking, I don't know. Fuck, I hated that movie. I love that movie. You're an asshole, Joey. I mean, come on, Denver Pile, Magic Through Harmonica, get the fuck out of here. That's why Disney had to buy shit like Star Wars and Marvel, because they do not now, nor have they ever, created anything fucking original. Disney owning American pop culture is just a Walmartization of Hollywood. It's why every goddamn movie is someone in tights fighting aliens. And hey, I like people in tights fighting aliens as much as the next guy, but just maybe we can have some new people in tights fighting different aliens, because you can only go back to the well on Star Wars or Marvel so many times before the well goes dry and we all got to sell the farm to some evil land developer which i believe was the plot of about 60 fucking disney movies in the 1970s but hey i'm sure it'll be all right maybe disney can have captain link heartthrob team up with jar jar fucking binks in a standalone crossover coming to a theater near you in 2021 i would watch that show okay yeah so would i would be a pretty fucking cool movie 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. That is it for our show this week. Yeah, I started writing something about the impeachment hearings going on this week, but then I realized I had nothing to say about them. They they pretty much speak for themselves. Any predictions or assumptions I could make about them mean about as much as a fart in Gavin's control booth. Unwanted, unnecessary, and de- definitely carrying a whiff of shit. So uh, I leave them to you, pod friends, to draw your own conclusions. After all, we know what was done and what needs to be done and what has no chance of actually happening. Speaking of what needs to be done, rate and review this show wherever you find your podcast. It lets others hear my unwanted and unnecessary whiffs of shit. Follow the show on Twitter at the hell underscore podcast so you can catch my unfiltered poots just like Gavin, only easier to wave away. I swear I'm working on something new for the Patreon, patreon.com slash what the hell podcast, and I will have it out to you before you need to go on the road for the holiday and before you start spending your money on people who actually, you know, like know and love you instead of a drunk guy shouting in a microphone. So donate now while you still have it. Check out what the hell podcast.com for some cool stuff, including video clips of my rants suitable for sharing. So for me, Dave banned for life from Disney World Bledsoe, producer vomited on Space Mountain Gavin, and all the fictional mouseketeers on this show, we want to say Mickey Mouse is fucking dead. He got kicked in the goddamn head. And we'll see you all next week. Change the words around, try to make it look profound. The comedian is on stage, it's taking for a wage. The critics think he's great, but the laughter turns to hate. The mouse is on TV, and the kids stare at the screen. The pictures are all black and white, the words don't mean a thing. Just money's got no money, and daddy is in jail. I have no ending for this, so I take a small bow. <laughs>